Hello and welcome to the second episode of What Are You Reading? A podcast where we chat about books, what we've read, what we're reading and what we love. Last time we were sharing our top 2020 releases and today it's all about memoirs. Before we dig in, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record today, the Wurundjeri and Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jess. It's been a little while since we were last able to meet up and record our first episode. I think it was about three months ago. Yep. Whoopsie. (laughs) Um, But so glad we finally were able to make it happen. And today we're in the same room, which is so nice. Yay. Joining you listeners from Sarah's house today. Uh, And just to give some quick visual descriptions to set the scene... Uh, I am sitting in a studio type space in Sarah's house. I am sitting at a small table facing Sarah, who is wearing a long sleeve black top and amazing high waisted pink tracksuit pants and an orange slash brick red beanie. She's got black headphones on with a little mic coming out. She looks like a pilot. And she's got her lovely brown hair with tinges of blonde through it. Uh, around her shoulders and she's wearing a little silver necklace and she is smiling and looking at me and (laughs) giggling yeah now she's giggling uh on the wall behind her is a lord of the rings puzzle which i am obsessed with oh my god (gasps) boromir oh he's got the horn oh okay i can't look at that anymore um there's a lovely lamp to her right cream covered lamp There's plenty of tech equipment around because this is her partner's tech studio. Uh, A big two-sided mirror behind her. No, not two-sided. That would be like a trick mirror. (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about that book today. (laughs) Just a mirror. Double door. Uh, Double door. Double door mirror. Uh, A door leading out to the hallway. And that is what I am seeing. Great. And what I am seeing is the lovely Jess sitting opposite me. Beyond a small table with a gorgeous green, looks like a hand-knitted cardigan with a black turtleneck underneath. She's shaking her head. Nope. Store-bought. Urban Outfitters. (laughs) Urban Outfitters. Sponsored by Urban Out. No, just kidding. (laughs) Not spawn. Hashtag. Um, And there's, Jess has this amazing ring that I always admire when I see her and she's wearing it today, which is a sort of, what kind of stone would you call that? Aquamarine. Um, and she's got her hair in a ponytail with some black headphones. She's actually got this really gigantic sort of arm microphone that's connected to the desk. Um, so we're going for a bit of variety with the mics today. And beyond Jess, I can see the wall of the room, which has a couple of records. Uh, my partner is also a musician and he likes to frame the albums that he masters. So they're on the wall. Very exciting. There's some musical instruments. There's three computer monitors, one of which is actually um, I've taken from work to doctor uh, over the weekend. I'm telling. (laughs) We're recording on a Sunday night and it has not been doctored as of yet. So sorry, boss. (laughs) Um, And a shelf with an amp and some WD-40 and some power tools. 
below which is a crate with some of my notebooks from my teens and 20s uh just all stored in there so this is a mixed view (laughs) the highlight of which is Jess I love that little easter egg though about your journals maybe I'll sneak back later and have a little peek at your own risk (laughs) (laughs) risk. (laughs) thank you that was great uh so we also are going to start off every episode by asking each other to describe our week as if it were a novel so please tell me what epigraph would you use to describe your week To all the girls who have faced injustice and been silenced, together we will be heard. Ah, yeah, that got me. Amen. Ah, what book is that from? This is from I Am Malala. Oh, I believe we'll be talking about that later. We may be. Yes. Ah, that got me. What would be your epigraph of the week? Your mind indeed is tired. Your mind so tired that it can no longer work at all. You do not think, you dream, dream all day long, dream everything, dream maliciously and incessantly. Don't you know that by now? I feel that in my bones. Mm. Oh, (laughs) What's that from? That's uh, from Angel Street, which is a play by Patrick Hamilton, which is more commonly known as Gaslight. And it is a quote. So I've stolen this epigraph from In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Mercado. Oh, <clears throat> hashtag favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I didn't recognize it. That's funny. Well, it has, I think, I think she put three quotes in at the start. I, I know this because I started rereading this book at work today when I should have mm-hmm. been working. Yeah. Um, and every single one of them, I was like, yes, this is my epigraph. No, this one. No, this one. <laughs> so thank you, Carmen and Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um. Dramatic climax. What was the dramatic climax of your week? Okay, this is so bougie, but um, uh, my partner David and I, we're house hunting and we we like two places, one of which is going to auction in a week (gasps) and the other one in several weeks. So we have to make a choice. We have made a choice um, as to which one we're going to pursue so that we don't get FOMO and miss out (laughs) altogether. So... I guess the climax, if I had to pinpoint one decision, would have been um, inspecting the uh, the house that we are going to pursue first and running into my friend <gasps> there who also wants to buy the same house. No. Yeah. yeah. Traitor. <laughs> well, one of us will be, <laughs> hopefully. I love that drama. I mean, not for you. That's very un- uncomfortable, but. It's very dramatic. Mm. Yeah, would never have anticipated that. <laughs> no, that's I can't say that's ever happened to me. Mm. Best of luck to you, Godspeed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to need it. <laughs> Moving right along to your dramatic climax. I had a very boring week. So this story is almost just something that I watched. Uh, didn't happen to me. But I went to see my friend wrestle last night. My friend BJ is a professional wrestler. Uh, Look out for him. He's going to be in The Young Rock, I believe. Ooh. Uh, And so uh, his partner, Abby, invited us to go and watch him. So went to the wrestling last night. Loved it. It was wild. Um, But this was one of those matches where they can get weapons out and kill each other. What? So (laughs) they were the first matchup. It was Caveman Ugg, that's his name, (laughs) versus Mad Dog. Uh, who kind of frightened me. 
but also looked like a very lovely human. And then halfway through the match, BJ pulls out uh, a door from under the ring and then they started smashing each other with doors and smashing them on, on each other's backs. And at one point, Mad Dog had picked up Caveman and had um, thrown him through the door or he, no, he leapt off the corner with the door overhead and smashed it over him. I was hoping it would kind of go through him like in a cartoon, but it didn't. Anyway, then Mad Dog upended a bucket of uh, thumbtacks <gasps> over his head and then they were all over the floor and then Caveman Ugg picked up Mad Dog and slammed him headfirst into the floor and when he stood up, he had like, nails all over his head. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, that I was just a spectator for this but that was probably the most dramatic thing that I witnessed this week. Um, later on in a female match, a, a woman uh, smashed a champagne bottle on another woman's head. And I also loved that. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. That's really intense. I'm quite stressed just listening <laughs> I'm to that. I'm so sorry. Um, maybe that needed a trigger warning if you don't like blood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a wild and they did the, like, got chairs and everything later on. Yeah, it was all happening. But I have to say, it was very fake. That was going to be my next question. Was this the wrestling? I'm not a wrestling aficionado by any means, but was this the kind of wrestling I imagine in my brain, which is very staged and choreographed? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's all, it's pure entertainment. Uh, and uh, maybe that's mean to say it's fake, but we were standing right up close and you could see that they um, cared about each other and it was all a great big performance and I loved that. Uh, and it was so much fun and we got really invested in the, um, the uh, not the umpire, the referee and yeah, that was a good time. Wow. That sounds like so much fun knowing that everybody is safe that's yes. participating. Yes. yes. And yes. I saw my friend after and he was totally fine despite having gotten nails in his feet. So he was fine. Great. It was all good. <laughs> Wow. Okay. okay. Thanks for that. That's that's exciting. Pleasure. Uh, did you have a protagonist moment this week? Hmm. Did I have a protagonist moment? Probably when I made you dinner just before we started recording. Um, you know when you have butter and it's <laughs> it's too cold and it doesn't spread yes. very well on the bread, so. Yes. Okay, so I was making Jess some a toasty. Um, this flavour combination was recommended to me very recently by my friend Jamie. And the idea is that it's it's chicken and camembert. Now, I'm a vegetarian, so I, I use alternative, I just call it fake mm -hmm. chicken or, or schnitties, as we call them in this household. <laughs> schnitties. Yes. Um, the Fry brand, hashtag sponsor. No, just kidding. So many sponsors um, tonight. I know. I'm in a mood. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we had some some chicken snitties with some camembert and a bit of sriracha mayo. But the Turkish bread was really hard to spread the butter on. <laughs> and it was it was one of those things where in my mind I was really self-conscious, wishing that I could speed it up and not be embarrassed by my poor kitchen demeanor. But ultimately the sandwiches were made and we ate them. I love that that's what was going through your head because I was just loving watching you prepare food for me. It was amazing. Um, I loved how generous you were with the butter. And, you know, I know that struggle. We keep our butter um, 
out as well. And in winter, it's frozen solid. So, you know, I feel your pain. Uh, I loved the sandwich. The camembert was mwah. And I thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> what about your protagonist moment? Look, it was a slow week. Uh, but I was finally able to do a poll trick this week in class that I've been working on for nearly a year and a half. I'm clapping. Thank you. It's called the Aisha. Uh, most people in my class mastered it a very long time ago. I should not have been allowed to level up, but I was. Um, and it's, oh gosh, how can I explain it? But you're upside down on the pole and then you kind of take your legs off the pole in a split, in a middle split. Uh, and I just could never balance. I would always tip to one side, but then finally when I did it the other night, something just clicked in my head and I realized, oh, okay, I, this is what I was doing wrong and now I need to do this and it makes sense. And I did it and I was so happy. Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. What an accomplishment. That, yeah, the tricks that take the longest end up being your favorite. So um, nemesis, soon to be friend, hopefully. <laughs> Yay. I can't wait to see it. Did you take a video recording of it? I did. Ooh. I did. Do you want to see it? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. We'll incorporate this into the pod. <laughs> uh, here it goes. Ooh. It's going to load for you. Dance for me, dance for me, dance for me, whoa, oh. We've been singing that song all day. We were trying, we drove to Bendigo today for a family dinner and tried to figure out what the most nasal Australian artist Oh, was. and was that your conclusion? That was one. We didn't get much further than that, actually, to that, be honest. <gasps> okay, I'm watching the video. Yay! Look at you go. Those skills. So proud. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. That looks so hard. Your core strength must be just on fire. Weirdly, it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've now a PT and I've been really working my upper body strength. So I think that's what's done it. Uh, my core remains a useless piece of crap. Well, what's it there for? To store the food. To store the food. That's perfect. Support your body. Yeah. Um, yeah, stop your back pain. Probably why I have back pain all the time. But <laughs> anyway, uh, and lastly, acknowledgements. Do you have anyone to acknowledge this week? My lovely partner, David. He's just a rock. He's a lovely chap. Mm-hmm. And he set this up for us. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I do not know how to use all of the tech equipment that we have in our house. <laughs> and um, he's done an excellent job of of setting this up and hopefully we sound amazing. Um, so him, yeah, he's, he's just a little cutie patootie. Angel I'm revealing McMahon. our pet names in public. <laughs> Sorry. Take <Bob-le-t-o>. <laughs> <laughs> Um And of course my mum, my mummy. Yes. I've got a dentist appointment next week and I'm traveling an hour and a half to go to my mother's dentist. <laughs> Because I'm afraid and she's going to look after me afterwards if I'm fragile. Oh, definitely be fragile. That's the yep. best. Yep. Oh, nothing like having your mum to look after you when you're not feeling your best. Mm. Yeah. To the mums. To the mums. Interestingly, we're recording this shortly after Mother's Day. To the mums. To the mums. Love the mums. Speaking of, that's who I want to acknowledge because my mum shares her birthday with Mother's Day. 
So she had a double whammy last weekend. So shout out to my mum for being awesome. Yay. Uh, We had a lovely dinner. Dad made a freaking crock and bush for her. Did Uh, he make that? Yeah, he did. That's very impressive. Yeah, he's wild like that. Uh, The more important the event, the more time he will spend baking. Um, So, yeah, shout out to my mum too and also to mum and dad because they came to eight house inspections with me yesterday. Are you serious? Yeah. Eight? Yeah. It was a a time. That's intense. And we were done by 1 (gasps) p.m. Wow. And then I went home and sat in bed and ate Nutella. I love that for you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I support these life choices. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Sponsored by Nutella. <laughs> okay. Okay. On to the memoirs. Uh, we love a good memoir. We've got a pretty extensive list today. Uh, many of them we've both read. So we're going to discuss them together. And we're going to start with, dare I say, probably our f- shared favorite Holy moly, I cannot talk more about how much I love this book. Uh, This is In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Mercado. Clapping, clapping my hands. Oh, yes, it is so good. Yes. Uh, I only was introduced to this book by you. So thank you so much. I saw that you had put it up on your Insta as your potentially your favorite book of last year. Correct. Yep. Uh, I believe it was published probably in the States in 2019, but we probably didn't get it until 2020 because we sucked down here. Um, Yeah. I just loved this book. Yeah. Same. I've never read something that is sort of formatted and um, I don't know how to describe the experience of reading it. And, and often I will opt for a memoir in an audio version. So having the physical copy and a hard copy at that of this book was so, um, it was just a kind of almost sensory experience yes. for me. The, yes. The way every line starts in the same way, the repetition. I don't want to give too much away if you haven't read this because you've got to experience it, I think. Yes, um, yeah. I agree. Yeah. To give a little bit of background, this memoir kind of centers around domestic abuse between partners who share a gender identity. That's how it's described in the book. Uh, And also the archival silence around domestic abuse in queer relationships. Uh, And as I said, I started rereading this at work today and I was just reminded of how fantastic the tone is it's kind of chilling and it's foreboding but it's also very fairy tale-esque and it's it's genre defying and again yeah don't want to give too much away but she plays with first second and third person perspective uh which is kind of a reflection of the splintering of herself Mm. in the wake of the abuse Uh, yeah the style was so unique uh wasn't it just super short chapters yep and just so original I mean, the the content itself was quite challenging and um, at times I felt very confronted um, and moved, but I was unable to put it down. Yes. There are some books that uh, broach difficult, um, traumatic experiences for the writer, particularly in the memoir genre, and sometimes I need to take breaks, you know, to recover and Hell um, yes. hold myself a little bit, yes. but, but not with this one. I, f- I just could not stop reading it. I agree. This is a real kind of sit down and do it in a day. Um, it kind of, I would equate it to walking through a haunted house Yeah, at a fair. Uh, and I guess that's where she, she was inspired by the dream house, which is 
more like a haunted house mm. and it's kind of has, has a Gothic feel to it as well, but it kind of, you feel like you're on a fun ride and then it smacks you in the face when you turn the corner. Yeah. Uh, and the twist at the end without saying any more about it, but I knew that there was one coming, but I was still gobsmacked and I loved it. Yeah. Same. It reminds me of a bit of a tumbleweed, you know, just the momentum. Yeah. It, it takes, and I feel like I know Carmen really intimately and really well, but at the same time that she's a mystery that I continue yes. to want to get to know and unwrap and unpack and um, interrogate a little bit. I'm just so fascinated and inspired. And I actually just yesterday picked up her first book, Her Body and Other Parties. Yes. Which I'm so, 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 so excited to read. I'm currently reading that as well. Are you really? <laughs> wow. We have the same taste. We do. <laughs> Uh, and note on the footnotes in this. So the book is filled with footnotes and uh, I feel like I was trained from uni days to ignore footnotes completely. So I got a little bit of the way in before I realized that they actually were a part of the story. So please make sure you read every footnote. Uh, they're from a real book. They are from uh, a six volume archive called Motif Index of Folk Literature by Stith Thompson. I was sure that was a made-up book the whole way through, but it's actually a real book. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, please read the footnotes. They add so much to the story. They're so funny. They really start to creep in. Uh, they don't appear much at the beginning, but then they almost start to appear on every page and they really add to the madness and the story and they're so charming as well. Yeah. Something else I want to say about this one, I was reading an article today that Carmen wrote uh, she wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times called Banning My Book Won't Protect Your Child. And I thought that's interesting because I wouldn't say this book is controversial. Uh, but I'll just read you this quote directly from it. This year, a parent in Leander, Texas, livid that In the Dream House appeared on high school classes recommended reading lists, took a pink strap-on dildo to a school board meeting. Voice trembling with disgust, she read excerpts from my book, including one where I referred to a dildo, inspiring the prop, before arguing that letting a student read my book could be considered child abuse. Whoa. Isn't that wild? That is. How extreme. That actually happens. Yeah. Um, so Carmen actually teamed up with other authors who were being boycotted for their books, including Margaret Atwood and Jodie Picoult. And they wrote a letter to the school district demanding the books be available for the students to access. Uh, I do not know the outcome of this tale, but I'm sure... We must follow this. Yeah, I'm sure they prevailed, or I'd like to think that they did. But also it's Texas, so I don't know. Well, we can hope. We can hope. Maybe we can try and get this book on the texts list here in Australia. Yes, I, I feel like this should be. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a, a great overview of toxic and dangerous relationships. And almost this one, almost to the point of... It's dangerous after it's too late to escape or yes. stand up for yourself. Yes. Um, and I think that's so common and yeah. so important. We don't learn that or certainly I didn't learn that as a young person in school. So you go into adulthood and you find yourself in your relationships and good luck to you. It's so interesting you say that because in this article I was reading, she went on to say that 
students are taught that jealousy in a relationship is, is sexy. Uh, and we, I think that's so true that we grow up thinking that uh, and we almost perform jealousy or actually feel it. Uh, we're led to believe that we should be flattered by it, but it's so dangerous and it's toxic. And I think that that's a great point. And um, also that nobody took her abuse seriously because she was in a, a lesbian relationship mm. as well is really heartbreaking. Yeah, just because the person who is oppressing is the same gender doesn't make it less dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Essential reading. Essential reading, 10 out of 10 recommend. Love, love, love. Yes, Uh, same. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) Can we move on to the next Please, please. Let's talk about Emotional Female by Yumiko Kodota. Yes. What did you think? Okay. I listened to this because like you, I really like listening to memoirs, especially if the author is reading it. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I listened to it in one day. I think I was, wasn't quite finished it by the time I got home. So I actually went and sat in my living room and listened to the rest of it, which I never do at home. Uh, James was in the other room. It was weird, but I just really wanted to finish this book. Uh, I instantly fell in love with Yumiko. She was so sweet right from the start. Uh, Yeah, she had me on side and I really enjoyed the journey. I feel like I've read a few books about young doctors uh, trying to get into the industry. That sounds like an actor, doesn't it? Get into the industry. (laughs) Audition and audition (laughs) and audition. Audition for a registrar position. (laughs) Oh gosh. Rewiring my brain. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it just followed her journey through medical school and then being a registrar and trying to work her way up to plastic surgery, which she just loved and just getting blocked constantly for so many different reasons. And it made me so angry. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite infuriating. Actually, I was a little bit blindsided by some of the mistreatment. I think that there were there were clues throughout um, and little sort of Easter eggs, I suppose, about, oh, this person's going to return and maybe is going to be a little bit problematic perhaps. But then every time something happened or a big block appeared, I thought, oh, no. Yeah. And I was really, really rooting for Yumiko the whole way through. She, you're right. She's so charming and likable, particularly in the audio version. And her cadence makes the text seem really quite accessible. I think at first I thought, oh, this is very simple, but the story is so complex. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it quite so much if I was reading a physical copy, but I think this is why I'm like you, so drawn to audio memoir when it's read by the author. Yeah. And and that they don't always hit it out of the park when they narrate their own stories because I'm actually listening to another memoir at the moment and I am not overly enjoying her narration of it, weirdly. Uh, But yeah, I really enjoyed listening to it. And I agree. I sometimes was also blindsided by the people that quote unquote betrayed her along the way or didn't look out for her. Um, And I was also so disappointed because I have read uh, This Is Going to Hurt by Adam Kay, which is uh, similar, but based in the UK. um, And I think many of us could agree that the NHS Needs a lot of work, uh, but they're also doing amazing work through the pandemic. So yay for them. And I guess I was really disappointed to read Yumiko's book and and see that the Australian 
not industry. Gosh darn, what is the actual word? Um, oh, it could be medical industry. That the, yeah, that the Australian medical industry is is not that different. Uh, and my dad being a doctor as well, and I imagine having a very different experience as a white man, uh, also made me feel quite sad. But I, I know that when I was little, he was working ridiculous hours similar to what she talks about in the book. And I think I was chatting to him after I read this and I think they've changed changed the laws now about how many hours doctors are allowed to work in a row because it's just dangerous. But I wonder it, if that came about because of her article. I really hope so. I feel like this book has been making change. Um, she, she wrote this book after she wrote a, a really frank blog post about why she quit surgery and it went viral and it led to her writing this memoir. And I think that it's probably been making waves and making change. Yeah. Now this book does need to come with a little bit of a trigger warning because the, it really delves deep into mental health and depression and suicidal tendencies. Um, and I was actually listening to this book uh, on a week where I was really down, which is just kind of a motif for me for this entire year so far, just a sort of general feeling of meh and a bit of sadness maybe more than I'm used to mm. feeling and it's not that I felt triggered necessarily but it definitely uh, influenced my perception when my headphones were not playing if that makes sense yeah right yeah yeah I, I love it and I would listen to it again but I'd probably want to be in a slightly safer headspace with which yeah, to do that yeah good to know uh and thank you for sharing I feel like this year's been really in many ways, uh, more difficult than last year for a lot of people. So, and I have been feeling uh, a similar level of malaise that I'm not used to and doesn't feel like me. So, mm. yeah, I'm feeling that's quite common. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Asked the Google doctor <laughs> a few <laughs> questions <laughs> and um, doing some reading and um, the general consensus from my two minute Google searches has been um, that lots of people are sad at the moment. Yeah. Solidarity. Solidarity. Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to, back to the book. Uh, can I also say with this one, the ending left me a bit unsatisfied. I don't know if that was intentional because, you know, her story's not over. She very much uh, is still in kind of in the middle of it by the end. Uh, but I guess I wanted a different conclusion than what we got as well. Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I don't firmly agree or disagree mm. with that. I think I'm, I'm on the fence mm -hmm. with, with the ending of this one, but yeah, it is nice to have a positive resolution always. Yes. Maybe I was expecting by the prologue a different ending than what we got as well. Mm. Uh, also, I stalked Yumiko on Instagram and she wears a lot of Gorman. So I'm hoping that she might come into my store one day and I can chat her ear off about her great book. So Her cover is a little Gorman inspired. Yeah, the color palette. Well, I feel like she probably, I think she did wear a lot of Gorman when she went to do you know, book signings and interviews and stuff because it would match perfectly. Yep. Yumiko, come to my store. I was going to make another sponsored joke, but I think we should put that to bed for the rest of this episode. <laughs> or we see how many we can get to. <laughs>
Great. Gorman, you know how to contact us. <laughs> oh, also, if you liked Emotional Female, you should check out July 17th by Kim Ko. Uh, this is a book that came out in 2020. It's uh, a fiction story, but it is loosely inspired by the events of Kim's life. Kim is a friend of both of ours and she is fantastic. She is a doctor as well. She's also an actor uh, and the book it goes into similar themes as emotional female, but is also more of a fictional story. So. It is. She's also a writer. Go Kim. We love you. Yes. Keep doing it. She, um, yeah, she's amazing. And she's created this story that, yeah, as you just mentioned, has some parallels to her life, um, but is, is largely based in fiction too. Go girl. Yep. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> The next book we're going to talk about is by an American author, and this is Educated by Tara Westover. Yep. This is another one that I'm going to claim as essential reading. It uh, is the kind of book that is is relatively long, almost said very long, but it's it's relatively long, but it's another one that for me I devoured very quickly surprisingly quickly because Tara's story is unbelievable and so fascinating and somehow incredibly relatable mm-hmm. um and yeah it it is essentially the story of her life from childhood all the way into sort of present time adulthood and the amount of uh complications that she has to overcome within her family and her personal life is just staggering. Mm. And I think it's such a unique story because uh, well, her parents were extreme survivalists, I guess you could say. Her dad in particular. Yes. uh, A very mentally unwell man who uh, terrorized his family unintentionally. So I I suppose you could argue, Uh, but he was convinced that the world was going to end and they were all going to be saved. And uh, so in that way, a story I have not really read before. No. Particularly not a true one. And I agree. uh, It was so fascinating to read her story. It was so intriguing, uh, so awful what she lived through Mm. growing up with that man. uh, So many siblings, some of them, of course, uh, came to become like their father as children do. Um, but what I really took from this was the, uh, the ability for humans to bounce back from anything. overcome adversity. Overcoming adversity. Yeah. 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 I think Tara does that time and time again in the book, in her life, the book of her life. Um, she is faced with so many challenges, um, and, just when you think things are going to get better, something comes in and blindsides. Mm. It happens so often throughout the book. And it's, yeah, like I said earlier, it's almost unbelievable. Yes. The um, amount of, so uh, her parents don't believe, or more specifically her dad, don't believe in doctors and hospitals. So they're really forbidden to go to hospitals. But also this man forces his children to do extreme manual labor on the farm that they live on. Yep. And uh, the amount of uh, horrifying injuries that all of the children sustain at different points was uh, at times made me, I think, uh, cry out loud at how horrible it was. And 
just not even being able to conceive of a parent treating someone that way, their own their own child that way, and the lack of regard for their health and so many injuries and near death experiences of the the children being asked to perform these ridiculous tasks that you wouldn't even ask an employee to perform if they were getting paid a hundred dollars an hour like it's just ridiculously unsafe no where was work safe oh <laughs> no one found work safe where were you <laughs> you have a responsibility you have a responsibility <laughs> and you failed uh but yeah i would i would say he's maybe even a, a clinical psychopath in that he just didn't seem to have that empathy and was very much more driven by reward and um, had no regard for uh, punishment and consequences and especially where his children were concerned. Um, and But, yeah, it was just heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's your family. One of my favourite uh, moments throughout the, the book and Tara's childhood is the sort of midwifery mm. little section um, where her, her mother becomes a is sort of trained into and by default Tara as a witness to that um, becomes the the community midwife and um, because the father doesn't believe in um, the doctors and sort of the medical industry there are others like him and they procreate and there's so many children running around and so many births happening that this untrained well no she is trained but but not to the standards that we would hope yeah uh, if we were to be giving birth one day and having somebody attend that birth yes um <clears throat> yeah so that that section i find qu- quite interesting it's amazing isn't it that they were like self-taught midwifery yeah. essentially and they delivered all of those babies and now look i love a good essential oil but <laughs> <clears throat> they they take the uh Essential oil, homebrew, uh, medical cabinet to an extreme that I probably wouldn't want to put myself in. Yeah, I'd say too far. They take it too far. It's not okay. Uh, Essential oils cannot cure everything. And I felt so desperately sorry for the mother though. And uh, it's coming back to me as we're talking about it. The number of, uh, spoilers, car crashes (gasps) that they all have because they just drive so unsafely and uh the poor mother oh my gosh i just i just want to pluck her out and rescue her but then fast forwarding from this traumatic childhood into adulthood tara goes on to do some amazing study and some amazing things and the title of the book is a giveaway she gets an education. Yes, and mostly self-taught or at least from the beginning. And again, that's what, what I loved so much about this that it just really highlighted how uh, resilient humans are because uh, I remember learning uh, in psych so much about, you know, the formative years and the um, critical stages of learning. And if you miss, if you don't learn to read in this time, then uh, you're never going to catch up, things like that. But Tara Mullen catches up. She was so in, she is so incredibly intelligent, and uh, what she goes on to do was incredible. Yeah, yeah, true resilience in the face of adversity. Yeah, a real a real uh, feel good after all the the 
accidents. Yeah. Now, look, this ending is one that is a little bit more uplifting. Yeah, I would say so too. Uh, yeah, it's uplifting. It's hopeful. It's soaring. Go, girl. Yep. Love it. Yep. Educated by Tara Westover. Now on to another memoir by an American author. This one was released last year, 2020. This is Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Mic drop. Holy shit. This book is life changing. Mm -hmm. I cannot say enough good things about this book. I listened to the audio version. Oh, child. (laughs) Wow. I'm clutching my chest right now. She is. It's traumatic. I love it. Uh, I also listened to the audio version because I really wanted to hear Chanel tell her own story. And I'm so glad I did. But also uh, the book has her photo on the cover and I love that as well. Uh, Support this woman. She is amazing. Little bit of background. You might recognize her name. You might not. Uh, So Chanel Miller was the victim in the very well publicized rape trial involving the promising young man. Brock Turner of Stanford University in the States. Uh, He famously was only sentenced to six months in jail. I think he got out even quicker than that from memory. Uh, Who cares about him? But Chanel went on to become very famous, but anonymously so when her victim impact statement uh, went viral after it was posted on Buzzfeed. Uh, She was only known as Emily Doe at the time. The very memorable opening line, which was, you don't know me, but you've been inside me. Uh, And the rest of the statement is incredible as well. And from there, eventually she did come out and say, yes, it it was me. It was was me. (laughs) It was I the whole time. Me, myself and I. (laughs) Um, But she's a writer. She does comedy. Uh, She's just an amazing woman. And this was such a well-written book. It was riveting. Yeah. Again, all of the trigger warnings. Yes. This was, yes, it is so important to read this for men, women, trans folk, any, anybody from the perspective of a woman reading this, I go, I see myself in so many of the situations and it's so upsetting, but it's essential. And I think it's really important for anybody who doesn't identify as a woman to understand what the victim impact what the ongoing traumas are of an event an assault whatever it might be obviously in Chanel's case it is a a, a very traumatic um uh, assault and um the what she has to overcome in order to be okay in the aftermath of that even before the trial don't even worry about the trial yet that that's a whole nother kettle of fish, but it's it's intense and it's really um, affirming is so the wrong word, but it's important, I think, to recognize the long lasting effects of that. Even as people who you and I have experienced our own versions of, I'm sure 98% of women have and can attest to that, but there's, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, I just, I can't even be articulate about it because it's, it's just everything. Mm, I agree. Essential reading again, I think. And uh, also it, yeah, it really covers the trial and how in a way that 
don't know about this comment, but how it can almost be more traumatic than the event itself because you have to relive the event and your life is torn apart and insinuations are allowed in court to be made about you and your character and your body and who you are and the way that she held it together uh, was incredible because it was a really uh, it should have been a slam dunk there were witnesses that uh, came across what the event at the time the assault uh, they could ID the guy uh, he it, yeah it should have been an absolute slam dunk and yet it was not but I also want to highlight here that this memoir is a reminder that change is possible that uh, protesting and fighting for change can work because after the appalling results of this case I believe a petition was started or people were very vocal about uh, getting the judge removed, uh, getting him recalled and it worked. He was recalled. He's not allowed to judge anymore. Yep. So I love that. Yeah. The power of the people. Yeah. And they really did come together in support of Chanel. Yeah. And she is incredibly articulate and brave. The fact that she's come out and published her victim impact statement. Did she publish it independently or did BuzzFeed approach her? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think maybe they asked if they could share it anonymously. Mm. I think. We, may, we in fact, check this if you want. Yeah. Um, but they ended up, um, Hillary Clinton read it out in, in a speech. Yeah, it got read out in... We don't, they don't say parliament, do they? But whatever their equivalent of parliament yeah, is over there. The Senate or whatever. The Senate or, yeah, mm. some, some American shoot. And also what I loved about listening to it was that Chanel actually read the victim impact statement in full at the end of the, mm. the book. Mm-hmm. And you could hear uh, what it was costing her in her voice to read it. And it was incredibly moving. I remember uh, taking myself out for a walk to finish this book one night and listening to her and she had to stop every now and then and gather herself and I also loved that they kept that in yeah that it wasn't a polished perfect performance I'm tearing up thinking about it Mm. now yeah I agree couldn't agree more also the racism that she faced perhaps erasure of her culture I think a lot of people probably wouldn't even be aware that Chanel isn't a white woman uh, that she's a Chinese American woman and you wonder how much uh, racism was involved in this whole case and you know, an Asian woman's word against a, a white man with all the money and power behind him. Yeah. I also loved learning about Chanel's life outside of this incident and the trial and the way that she used art to live and yeah. discover and learn. Yeah. Um, and the retreat she goes on in um, Long Island, I believe, um, was beautiful to listen to her foray into comedy and um, stand-up, I think, is so cute and so endears me to her so much as a listener, um, which po- possibly is the point. Maybe it's accidental, but whatever she's doing, it's working and she's got a really loyal <laughs> listener and reader in me i'll read anything she publishes from now on i hope she writes more uh and i agree like the healing power of comedy was really highlighted at the end of the story there yeah loved it love 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 
and on a similar note, leading straight into the next book, which if you like to know my name, you must read Eggshell Skull by Brie Lee. Oh, I feel yeah. like, I kind of feel like this book needs no introduction because, or at least maybe that's my perspective by the people around me in my life. But this book is so popular as it should be. Brie is an Australian author. Uh, she's a white woman. She she details her journey becoming a lawyer and uh, what do you call it? A judge's assistant? Judge's associate. And they travel around the coast of Australia going to slightly more rural courts and she just sits in on all of these trials that never go the way of the victim. Uh, trigger warning again, most of them are sexual assault cases, rapes, things like that. And it brings up memories of her own assault when she was a child and eventually she decides to go and get justice. Yeah, yeah. I used to live in Brisbane and much of the book is set in Brisbane. Oh, of course. Where, yeah, where Brie was living at the time of writing, I believe. And um, it is quite visceral in that some of the moments, and I guess particularly the stuff about when she's in the the um, court offices in Brisbane, I'm just picturing that street mm. and feeling like I'm there with her going to work every day and facing the challenges that she's facing. Um, but I also follow Brie on Instagram. Yep. And... Seeing her, I, I hadn't heard of her before reading this book, which actually I read several years ago now, so it's testing my memory <laughs> a little bit. But seeing her presence on social media and the types of events that she speaks at and is, is a guest at and her sort of activism that she facilitates, I suppose, in her online community is really amazing. And I feel like this book for her in a way may have just been a jumping off point with which to harness community and kind of create a platform for this broader area of expertise um, and solidarity, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I agree. I think that she is actively uh, a part of getting laws changed especially in Queensland. I think that's my understanding uh, because she's got that law background. She is really putting it to use. And I agree. I follow her as well. And she recommends really great books as well. I think she has a book club, B, B list book club. She does. Yeah. I found this book riveting. I couldn't put it down. It made me so angry and yeah, it is pretty full on. There's a lot of recounting of uh, different trials and horrific stories uh, so this book will make you really angry, really outraged. I feel like it should be re required reading for Australian high school students. It just highlighted that, you know, that we've all gone through it and how terrible our system is here, that it's really stacked against you in court if you decide to take your abuser to court. And also for our Indigenous people, because a lot of the cases that she sat in on, uh, unfortunately, do not go the way of an Indigenous person if they are that the person accused, even if they're innocent, they often would not win. And so there was a lot of racism in the story as well. And um, she would talk about that a lot of the juries were mostly white and it just meant that uh, an Aboriginal man had no hope. Mm. And I just thought that was just, yeah, sadly not surprising, but 
just a really horrible reflection of this place. Yeah, yeah. This one is a bit a bit of a fire burner um, and it's so important, so engaging and I actually can't wait to read it again now that we're discussing it. I would definitely read this again. I borrowed this off a friend, but I like it so much that I want to go and buy a copy, even though I've already read it. I've listened to heaps of podcasts that she's been on as well. And she is such a go-getter. She won a prize. I can't remember the name of it, but she won a huge book prize before she had even published this book and then went straight to the publisher of her dreams and said, Hey, I've just won this prize. Do you want to do my book? And they said, yes. And she just took off from there. And yeah, she's amazing. She's also recommended some fantastic memoirs herself. I cannot wait to read Black and Blue, A Memoir of Racism and Resilience by Veronica Gorey, which is about an Aboriginal woman who worked as a police officer and fought for justice both on and off the force. And also off Bree's recommendation, I'm currently listening to Fury by Catherine Heyman, which is similarly about a woman who tried to take her sexual assaulter to court, but the trial did not go her way and to uh, try and deal with the aftermath of that. Catherine decided to road trip up north and get on a boat and work on a boat. So, yeah. Wow. Great. I'm going to add both of those to my list. Yeah. They sound amazing. I Yeah. So I'm halfway through Fury and it's a really interesting story. Uh, weird tone policing comment by me, I but I want her to be angrier when she's narrating it so she's narrating her own story and she's almost narrating it I can hear the smile in her voice the whole way through and perhaps that is a part of it perhaps that's an intentional choice but the book is called fury and woman I want to hear the fury in your voice just a little acting note from me yeah great great (laughs) but also sorry you do you yeah you do you boo yeah I actually think I have the physical copy of Fury Ooh. on my shelf. Oh, very nice. We'll have to read that. There's like ocean and some blonde hair. Never mind. It's a different book with <laughs> Fury in the title. <laughs> you know when your TBR is that big? Is it Fates and Furies? No. Oh. <laughs> There's too many books. I want to go and get it. <laughs> Find out. Do you want to? No. It's okay. I'll reveal that next time. <laughs> The next memoir that we are going to chat about, another one that we both listened to, I'm pretty sure because uh, on Audible you can send a friend a free book and I'm pretty sure this was the free book I sent you. This is Your Own Kind of Girl by Claire Bowditch. Yes. Love Claire Bowditch. Yeah, um, she's so cool. She is so cool. She, I, I knew of her before listening to this, but not much. And hadn't really ever listened to her music, but please do um, because she's amazing. Uh, available on Spotify, sponsor. Um, and she, yeah, her, she narrates her audiobook, uh, as you know, we love. And there's some music dotted throughout it, which bookend the chapters a little Beautiful. bit. Beautiful. It's a really nice touch to some, at, and at times challenging book to listen to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Claire's had quite a life. Uh, Some sadness in her childhood. Uh, The book is largely about eating disorders, 
So trigger warning if that's something you don't want to listen or read about. Uh, and she had a really tough upbringing. Um, it's, it was a slightly different time. We haven't come much further, but it really sticks with me because I listened to this quite a while ago, but it really sticks out to me the way that as a, what, like an eight year old or a very young girl, she was put on a horrible diet. And then the teacher at her school kind of comes over to her and says, Hey, what was that diet you were telling? Can you tell me more about what you had been eating? And then some of the mums also, I think, mm. asked for her diet. And I just think that is such a freaking sad reflection of the really unrealistic standards put on women to be thin. Yeah, yeah. It's an, it's an issue. Um, and I know we've spoken about this off air quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite infuriating the quote-unquote beauty standards that are required of women or um, that – the media and magazines in particular make us uh, try and aspire to um, and to to have baby Claire Bowditch experience and be be faced with restriction in that way at such a young age is so upsetting and as we learn in this audiobook it is an ongoing issue that haunts her all throughout her teens into adulthood mm. Mm. And especially uh, in the entertainment industry, which Claire uh, found a talent for early on as well. And again, uh, it's jumping out at me that because she was in a bigger body as a teenager, she took on the role as the the funny fat person and how awful that was. But we see that so often and then we see stars suddenly appear and they're so slim and only then can they be taken seriously and do drama roles. And I think it's a crock of shit. Yeah. If you live in a bigger body, that doesn't make you less worthy of anything, whether that's following your ambition or living out your dream or finding somebody that loves you. There's nothing to say that a person in a small body or a person in a big body deserves anything different from one another. And I feel like that's a little bit of a takeaway from me when listening to this book is that I think that that's a value that I possessed before this, but hearing such a personal story articulated so well and so vulnerably um, was really eye-opening to that unique experience, Claire's unique experience and what that means for Claire. Mm, Yeah, she tells her story beautifully. She's Mm. such a storyteller and an entertainer and it follows her journey a bit more into um, singer-songwriting and performing. And I loved the the end leg where she's living in this really cool-sounding kind of communal living situation on the north side. Yeah, that's kind of hashtag dreams right there. Yeah. Goals. she, She just sounds like the coolest person and, uh, yeah, I wish I'd known more of her story. I remember I used to watch her on Offspring and I didn't really know who she was, uh, except that she was a singer. But, yeah, I wish I'd known more of her story and I'd, I'd love to see her more on our screens. She's great. Yeah, I loved her on Offspring. I have, yeah, a lot of time for her. Um, and I love that this book had a little bit of a romance storyline to it as well and a happy ending. Um, and I think that that is something – 
Not all memoirs need it, but when it's present in a memoir and it makes you feel good listening to it or reading it, um, I'm here for that. We do need a little bit of joy and, um, you know, warmth uh, every now and again. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, Claire, for yeah. that. Legend. Now I might like to move on to one that I know I've read, but I don't know if you've read it. Tell me about it, sister. This is called Slow by Brooke McCallery. No, I haven't even heard of it. Okay. Uh, again, an audio book. This is part memoir, part self-help. Oh, okay. Yep. Genre. So it's a little bit of a hybrid. Um, And Brooke McCallery co-hosts a podcast called The Slow Home Pod with her husband, Ben. And I discovered the book before I discovered the podcast, but I've since been listening to the podcast. And it is about slow living and sustainable living practices, which I'm very interested in. Always trying to find ways to create less waste and repurpose things so that I'm not contributing to more landfill. And this book is a really good, I suppose you could call it a bit of a guidebook um, to have an introduction into that way of living. And Brooke is so um, cute and lovely to listen to and quite grounded and down to earth and I also follow her on social media and her boundaries are so admirable sometimes she does not post for months and she'll come back and say I've been having a time this is where I'm at love that and I really respect that because I definitely feel like I go through those phases as well where hell yeah even the simplest thing is too hard so yeah Brooke support you love that um and yeah, I don't know. I guess this one for me is just something I feel really passionate about. And so if you have any interest in sustainable practices and just moving a little bit more slowly and maybe making time for things that are more important and just eradicating the stuff that clogs up our days that isn't as necessary, then this is definitely something you should add to your list. That sounds great. Slow by yeah. Brooke McCallery. She's actually got a new one coming out in June or July, I believe. I don't know what it's called, but I'm very excited for okay. that. Yeah, that sounds great. I was actually writing an article today about slow fashion. So that interests me very much. Mm. Um, I swear I did some actual work when I was at work today. <laughs> but yeah, no, that sounds really good. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say any more because it's it's a self-sufficient guide, yeah. book, memoir situation in itself. I'm going to give a shout out to a memoir called Excavation by Wendy C. Ortiz. This is a slightly older one. This first was published in 2014. And if you have heard of this, uh, it might be because it's been embroiled in a big controversy with My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell, hashtag own voices. So Wendy is a Latinx author and she was very interested last year when this book, My Dark Vanessa, was uh, getting a hell of a lot of chat around the water cooler. It was making the bestseller list and she tweeted in January 2020, Can't wait until February when a white woman's book of fiction that sounds very much like excavation is lauded. Stephen King's stamp of approval is touted, etc. 
lauded, 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 lauded. That's what I thought. Lauded yeah. Over. So yes. Yeah, so I and I want to shout this book out because I feel like so many people have read my dark Vanessa, myself included, and a lot of people really loved it, uh, and I quite enjoyed it too. Though it was dealing with some pretty dark subject matter that being the main character being groomed by her teacher as a teenager and having a sexual relationship with him and excavation is Wendy's real story of that happening to her it started quite young with her English teacher and it went on for five years wow until she was pretty much an adult and I think that if you've read my dark finesse you should definitely check out excavation they were uh, they definitely had similar themes to them and storylines, the English teachers and the length of the relationship between the characters as well. Apparently, Wendy, uh, she wrote an article kind of being like, hey, you stole my story. And apparently in private, Kate said, uh, yeah, I, I, she admitted that she had read Excavation, but Kate has since come out and said that her book is based off her own experiences. So... Anyway, make up your own mind, but I feel like because My Dark Vanessa was written by a white woman and it's been on all the shelves and on all the bestseller lists, it's really worth checking out Wendy Ortiz's story, Excavation. I don't know what's more problematic, a stolen story or the fact that the same thing is happening over and over and I know. I freaking know. And I mean, I feel like some of the other books on this list have also had similar as little b-plots but similar storylines as well excavation thank you for that recommendation i will dark vanessa is sitting on my shelf to be read but i'm interested in this parallel situation yes very interesting another book that i really liked is and this might be a little bit controversial because i think this author is a little bit divisive but For me, this book came into my earbuds at the right time. This is called This One Wild and Precious Life by Sarah Wilson, Ah. who is the founder of the I Quit Sugar. Uh, Is that the same diet? I'm doing quotation marks. That only just occurred to me, that it's the same Sarah Wilson. the same Sarah Wilson. Did she also write that other book? Yes. She did the book, um, the one with the octopus uh, on the cover. Phosphorescence? No, no, that's somebody else. But she wrote First We Make the Beast Beautiful, which has a similar oh, cover. Oh, okay. I always confuse those yep. two. Okay, no, I've read Phosphorescence, not oh, not okay. that one. Okay, no, I only it only just clicked to me that she's I Quit Sugar Lady. Yes. Please continue. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I did not know anything about Sarah Wilson except for the fact that she did I Quit Sugar and I thought, meh, that's not, I'm not interested. Um, so at that point, I was very much into sugar <laughs> and would not be told what to and what not to eat. Um, so, yeah, so I, I approached this book with a grain of salt. And actually, I did read some reviews about First We Make the Beast Beautiful, which some of them were not overly positive. Mm-hmm. This isn't the shame Sarah hour by any means, but <laughs> I think that I do need to preface my opinions on this book with this. Um, there were some criticisms of some of the research that she had done in the mental health realm. That's fine. Um, I think she's come back okay. to say that she 
it is well researched and certainly for this book this one wild and precious life i believe that um as a reader and a consumer so anyway this this book is essentially about a bit of a revolution in regards to this one wild and precious life uh, and the fact that we're kind of on the cusp of the end of the world. Yeah, true. Um, and it is, it kind of is married to the sort of the, the overarching themes of the book are married to Sarah's journey and journeys as a hiker. So she goes on all of these hikes throughout the book in different parts of the world. <laughs> and I was listening to this kind you're telling us to reduce our waste and you're telling us to do this and to do that and yet you're gallivanting all over the world. <gasps> Carbon footprint. Carbon footprint. Yeah. So I was having these thoughts and in the same minute she addressed it. Really? What and did I she thought, say? Uh, it was something along the lines of the her overall carbon footprint was still quite low because she didn't do things like drive a car and mm -hmm. the amount of flights she was taking was not as bad as the average person's um, consumption with a vehicle. Right. Okay. So she hikes everywhere. Yeah. She quits sugar and now she hikes. She loves to hike. Yeah. She's got about, oh, off the top of my head, 20 articles of clothing in her wardrobe. And oh, she does. collection. Yeah. A little capsule. And she sort of, she, she lives a, a quite simple life by the sounds of things with, with not too many material possessions right um certainly at the time of writing that was the case and I just found it quite inspiring it was in in some ways a bit of a call to action for me um and definitely made me want to go out and have a hike mm. I have not done a hike <laughs> since reading this any day now but I think about it sometimes <laughs> that's the first step yeah to getting the boots out yeah yeah so I would um recommend this book to Anyone interested in climate change and environmentalism and sustainable living because it's sort of all packaged in this interesting bow and take it with a grain of salt. Mm. Maybe do a little bit of research about Sarah Wilson if you're on the fence. I think it's worth a read um, and it does actually make me want to read her others now okay. as well. That sounds great, a book about hikes all over the world. I mean, that sounds really lovely yeah yeah and it, it is part memoir but it's also really quite informative about practical things that you can do mm -hmm. to reduce your carbon footprint and reduce your consumption and waste and stuff cool yeah all areas of interest for me at the moment <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I, you probably know this about me but I did quit sugar I did know this about yes, you yes you did uh i I did the whole shebang. I got her books. Uh, this was after a doctor told me that I had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and that I had to watch my um, my insulin levels, my blood sugar levels. Clearly, I don't care very much at all. Um, but anyway, my GP said, be careful about how much sugar you eat because you're nearly pre-diabetic, um, and we don't want that to happen. And, uh, of course, I panicked upon hearing that and – got Sarah Wilson's cookbooks and quit sugar. And when I say quit sugar, I mean, I quit natural sugar as well. Didn't eat any fruit. Did not eat a single thing that had sugar in it, including milks, tomato, passadas, um, anything. 
for about six months. The first month I had horrendous headaches uh, and I was reading and I also read another book um, and I want to say it's called The Case Against Sugar by Gary Torbs. Uh, similar vein to Sarah's, again, like pretty extreme now that I have the perspective to look back on how fucked up it is. Um, and he's going in the book, I promise once you push through and you haven't had any sugar, you will stop craving it forever. And poor little five years ago, me was just sitting there so miserable, just waiting for the sugar cravings to stop. And I can't say that they ever did. And of course, eventually I cracked because it is impossible not to eat any sugar and sustain that and be healthy and happy. Uh, and I do not recommend you ever do it. Uh, so yeah, that was a really weird chapter in my life. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you, are you glad that you have incorporated sugar back into your lifestyle? Absolutely. Uh, totally changed my outlook on food, but that's maybe a story for another day. But now I, I am much more into the model of eating whatever you want to eat. Full stop. Yeah, great. I support that. Thank you. We should do an episode about some of the the, the food yes. and diet culture books we've read because, again, this is an area of mutual interest for us. Very much so. And, yeah, that some of the books that I know we've discussed are, I'm so desperate to talk about. So let's do that. Yeah, let's, let's do, do a health episode. Oh, I love it. <gasps> Can't wait. Amazing. Do you have any other books to tell me about? I do. I'm so many. Um, another book, which similarly to what you were just talking about, was part memoir, part uh, in informative, I suppose, was Fire Country by Victor Stephenson. Mm -hmm. uh, he is an Indigenous Australian man uh, and he is an Indigenous land management expert, which essentially means that he uh, knows how to correctly light fires to help our country, his country, I should say. Um, and I loved this book. It came out at the start of 2020, just after the bushfires that lasted all summer. And it's so timely. And I feel like if it weren't for COVID, this book would be being talked about a lot more. Yeah, right. I feel like COVID eclipsed uh, Australia's issue with fires. Yep. And we got just got slightly more lucky this summer, even though there were still fires. Uh, so this was heartbreaking because it really highlighted how little regard most of the Australian population has for the ingenious ways that uh, Aboriginal people have to take care of this country. And it's so amazing. He really goes into detail about specifically how to light fires in what parts of the land, depending on if they're wet or dry, depending what trees are there, if there's water nearby, what animals live there. It's so incredible. And he was taught most of this by two elders that he got to know very well. And they're a big part of the book as well. And I really loved that. There were photos in the middle and uh, their story was really beautiful, but also desperately sad because when they passed away, their language died with them. They were the last speakers of their specific language. And I just remember crying when I read that because I thought that was so desperately sad. It's a tragedy. But this book was also, uh, Victor's really charming and he's a great storyteller and it has that real yarn feel to it. Yeah. And it was a really easy read. It's only about 200 pages. He, yeah, he pretty much started going around the country and teaching people how to manage fire their way 
and uh, they are almost always met with uh, distrust and um, no thank you or we're going to stick to our way thanks and it's just it's so frustrating and I'd, I'd really love to see this being taught more. Yeah. I think there's uh, an organisation called Fire Six that is doing exactly that so if they're ever doing something in this area I would absolutely love to go and learn from them because it's it's amazing. Some parts that really stood out to me he was talking about the way that um, you can tell the difference between native or introduced plants and animals because of the way they react to the fire here. Huh. So a lot of the native animals actually know how to react and stay safe around fire. Wow. Whereas, for example, the cane toads, because they're introduced, <laughs> they don't belong in this climate, they get so confused in the face of a fire that they hop straight into the fire and kill themselves because they don't know how to react around it. And so the book really highlighted how uh, just how intuitive the land is in this country and uh, how it's all cyclical and reciprocal and everything in nature should be in balance. But because of the way that white people have uh, treated this country, it's become out of balance. And I think there's so much to learn from this and it was a really great read. So much to learn. I can't wait to read that. Yeah. I have actually spied this book on um, many of my journeys to the bookshop <laughs> and yeah, I'm glad that I know a little bit more about it now because that sounds really informative and interesting at the same time. It reminds me, just hearing you describe it, a little bit of Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe. Yes. Having read them both, I would say that I found personally Fire Country a lot more accessible and, sure. and easy to read in it because I think it was uh, more rooted in a personal story as sure. well. Sure, yeah, yeah. I did – I enjoyed – reading Dark Emu, but I did feel that I had to take it very slowly, bit by bit, to absorb the information. Yes. So that's good to know that, that Fire Country is perhaps a bit more accessible. Very much so. Yeah, great. I have one more to share with you, um, and this is Top End Girl by Miranda Tapsell. Yay! I adore Miranda Tapsell. She is an Indigenous actor. Um, and she went to NIDA and has had a, a very great education and really quite a successful career in the Australian entertainment industry, including creating, writing, producing and starring in her own film, Top End Wedding. Woo! So this memoir, Top End Girl, looks at her life quite broadly, but also the making of this film, Top End Wedding. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It is fantastic. I just adored it. This was an audio read for me and Miranda narrates it. And she's just so charming and so sweet and very articulate. It was really well written. And being an actor <laughs> and an avid reader, it was it ticked many boxes for me because it was so many of my interests aligned mm. um and hearing her journey and hearing her journey in at NIDA and studying doing her acting training was great because there's so many horror stories um from our peers um, other people in the acting industry that have had some challenging times at <laughs> drama school yeah. to say the least um and it is it is 
probably like any uni student. I wouldn't know. I haven't been to ordinary uni. But um, I imagine that it's challenging and you have to wear quite a lot of hats at the same time, particularly if you're working and studying at the same time. And so it's it's really nice to see, for me, to see myself identified in that part of Miranda's Mm. story. But obviously there's some cultural stuff in there as well with her heritage and her mixed heritage. Um, So her mother's Indigenous and her father from memory, I believe, is Irish. And they're in Darwin. So she's done her schooling in Darwin, moved to Sydney to pursue her career, gone to NIDA, gone on to do some amazing things and some amazing shows. And interestingly, I saw the film The Dry, which is an adaptation from Jane Harper's novel, mm-hmm. the same week, I think, that I finished reading this book or thereabouts. And it was awesome to see her in that film after talking about it a little bit in the Mm. book with Eric Banner. Um, And yeah, I haven't actually seen Top and Wedding yet, but I really, really desperately want to because, well, because I like supporting Australian cinema, but also the way that she describes it, the way that they went about getting their funding for this film and producing it the remote communities that they went to and engaged with and actually had um, the local community star in the film is just so important, I think, Mm. particularly, um, and I don't, I don't remember exactly where they are in, um, in Darwin. So I'm, I'm going to watch the film and report back um, because I think it's important to know this. And yeah, I don't know, just, just having the passion project come to fruition as a person that has many ideas, but never finishes a single thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Um, If this makes it to air, woo, winner. Um, So it's, yeah, it's really, really amazing to see that creative process through Miranda's eyes. So yeah, it's, it's charming. It's topical for anybody that's interested in the entertainment industry. And it's just a really easy, fun roller coaster of a read. Mm. Having seen the film but not read her book, I'd now love to read her book. Mm. Uh, I feel like the film is on streaming, or at least it was a couple of months ago. Good Don't to ask know. me which one, but on one of them. Okay. Um, maybe even Netflix. Yeah, great. But I'll, I'll report back on this. Yes, but I I loved seeing the locations. And you could tell that they were true communities that uh, are not so often tread by people that don't live there. And it was really special to see those different parts of this country that we don't see very often. Mm. Yeah. Australian cinema. Woo! Woo! Do you have any recommendations for podcasts, books, films for the week ahead? I've been loving Smartless. The last few months, which is Jason Bateman, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. They just interview different actors, uh, musicians, authors, athletes, things like that. And I really enjoy their podcast because they're really informal and they're really funny. 
and they ask some slightly offbeat questions and uh, the, the stars seem really comfortable talking to them as well. So I've been really enjoying that. Yeah, cool. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's a goodie. It sounds great. What about you? I actually, I like listening to this podcast called Book Cheat. Ooh. Um, and right at this moment, I can't remember who hosts it. It will come to me. But it's a, essentially um, reading a, or a sort of a – it's essentially an analysis of the book by a host. Dave, I think, is his name, with a guest or two or three, depending on who's available that week. Um, unpacking the book. I think the tagline is something like, unpacking the book so that you don't have to. Ah, uh, yes. So it is a little bit targeted at sort of texts that are studied worldwide. He gets requests from all over the world and assesses the book chapter by chapter or scene by scene if it's a play. And it's really interesting. I love mm. listening to the episodes of the books I've already read. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it's called Book Cheat. Book Cheat. Okay, I like that. I've just discovered a podcast called Don't Be So Dramatic, which is hosted by Rachel Baker. She's an Australian woman and she interviews different people in the creative industry. So I like it because she'll interview different actors. And I was just listening to an episode the other day where she was talking to an Australian actor who I think lives in the States now. And I agreed with everything this woman was saying. So that's fun. Um, been feeling a bit out of the acting industry lately so it I've been kind of listening to some podcasts around it which sometimes is sad sometimes it's really heartwarming so I've been enjoying that one lately yeah great I have another recommendation it's in the form of a tv show um I may destroy you yes I'm Michaela yes, Cole yes, yes that is so fantastic I just finished it last night, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. <gasps> yep. How good are the last two episodes? Oh, just insanely good. It's on binge. Um, so if you don't have a binge account, find a friend who does and log into their account Seriously. just for this series. Yes. It is the future of television. It is amazing. It is actually a hate crime that she didn't win all of the Emmys for that show. Yep. It is, is so wrong. Um, especially I felt I was so positive that the final episode was going to win all of the television awards for best writing and best performance, best director, and uh, just totally stopped. Yeah, it is deserving. It wins my audience choice award. Yes. And um, yeah, I highly recommend watching that. It's so binge worthy. So it's difficult content as is lots of the stuff we've talked about today, but it's dealt with really in a really wonderful way, I feel. I agree. Really funny. Yeah. Speaking of binge, another show that you must watch is Pose. Okay. It is so good and I feel like not enough people are watching and talking about this show. Ah, I love it. They actually just dropped the third and final season last week in Australia. Uh, so it's just three seasons and you're out. But right. this show is amazing. It is the largest a transgender cast ever in a TV show. Yes. And almost the entire cast is black or Latinx. So there's a lot of Puerto Rican characters, Dominican, African-American, um, and it's set in the 80s. 
and it's all about ball culture, which I knew nothing about before this show. And it's yeah, set, right. set against the backdrop of the AIDS crisis unfolding yep. and the performances by everyone are amazing. And I have never found it so easy to not pick up my phone while watching a show before. Wow. That is a great testimony. Yeah. Yeah. They should put that on the poster. Pose. Pose. It I is cannot so wait. Good. I'm a very large, huge fan of RuPaul and um, what, know a little bit about ball culture just through that and being a fan of, the, of that show and Paris is Burning, the doco. So, yeah, I'm very, very interested. If you like RuPaul, you will love Pose. Okay. I was actually talking to someone the other night who has watched both of them and we were agreeing that probably RuPaul was inspired by Pose. I mean, well, what Pose was actually based on. So... Yeah, uh, there's a ball in every episode. Billy Porter is amazing. He's the MC at the balls and every episode he says, the category is. And yes. it's so good. Yes. Ah! <gasps> okay, great. <laughs> gotta go, gotta go binge. Yeah, Hashtag we... sponsored by binge. <laughs> <laughs> so those are all of the memoirs that we have to recommend to you today. Please check them out. Let us know what you think. Feel free to get in touch and let us know what you're reading. Yes, do. We can't wait to hear from you. Yes. And we will catch you next time for another episode of What Are You Reading? What are you reading? What are, what are, what are you reading? I thought you were going to keep going. Hashtag sponsored by Tame Impala. Oh, was that? Okay. That was my great attempt at mimicking the great Tame. I thought you were making that up and I was momentarily blown away. Just a copycat. I should have known. I should have known. Okay, bye. Bye.